0: Welcome to Room 106. I'm Richard Garlick from Planning Magazine.
1: And I'm John Gagan, also from Planning Magazine.
0: Every fortnight we enter Room 106, the den of discomfort into which all new planning information is deposited, and extract the key things you need to know.
1: The Labour Party has said it intends to allow councils to compulsorily acquire land for house building more cheaply than they can at present. We'll explore what that might mean. The government is proposing to further
0: extend permitted development rights that apply to high street premises. We'll explain what's under consideration.
1: And consultants are warning that the future of neighbourhood planning hangs in the balance due to uncertainty about a key grant programme.
0: We'll also round up some of the other big news of the
1: past fortnight. By the end of the show, you'll be in prime position to host the next office planning quiz.
0: So, the moment of truth. Ready to go in? I guess so.
1: Well, here we are again in Room 106. It's as gloomy as ever. Thank goodness for a couple of friendly faces. Here's our senior reporter, Samantha Reckford. Hello. Hi, Sam.
0: Uh, you're going to be updating us a bit later on the new permitted development rights, I think.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: Great. But first, I'm going to turn to you, Toby, to update us on what Labour's proposing on compulsory purchase.
3: Hello. So, to start with, can you remind us what compulsory purchase is? Compulsory purchase is a mechanism by which public bodies can buy land without the consent of the landowner, where, according to government guidance, there is a compelling case in the public interest. And does that process increase the value of the land? Currently, the market value of land that is subject to a CPO can include what is known as hope value, which is the increase above the existing use value from any expected development of the land. And uh, have you got any figures that would sort of demonstrate the extent
0: of hope value or, or, or the difference that hope value makes?
3: Yes. In 2016 to 17, land worth £22,520 pounds per hectare as agricultural land could be worth £6.2 million pounds per hectare with planning permission for housing. That is 275 times more, according to the think tank Centre for Progressive Policy. So what's Labour
0: said about its plans to change compulsory purchase powers?
3: Well, according to some newspaper reports, which Labour Party sources have confirmed to planning, are accurate, a future Labour government would legislate to grant councils new CPO powers that allow them to buy land to develop without taking account of the hope value, i.e. the increase in value that would be caused by a grant and planning permission. And have Labour previously shown any interest in this sort of measure? Yes. In September 2021, Labour floated the idea of cutting compensation levels for landowners whose land is being acquired under CPO powers. The party's then Shadow Housing Secretary, Lucy Powell, said the party wanted to change CPO rules to enable councils and other bodies to buy land at a fair price, which would not have to reflect the value it would have had if given permission for the intended development.
0: Okay, and
3: what else do these reports say about how Labour intends to take this forward? Well, an article in the Guardian says that Labour is still deciding on the scope of the reforms and whether they should be passed in the take-back-control bill, which Starmus promised would be part of his first king's speech, or whether they should be part of a separate planning bill. The party is also considering how best the value added by planning permission should be dispersed to local communities themselves, the report says. OK, and are there any other reports about what Labour would do if it came to power? Well, a similar article in the Financial Times last week states that the policy would involve overriding the 1961 Land Compensation Act, which prevents councils from buying plots for development at their agricultural value. And what's the government said about hope value? The government has already revealed proposals to cap the amounts landowners receive when their property is compulsorily purchased, but this would be restricted to certain developments that can demonstrate a high public benefit, such as affordable housing and health and education facilities. In addition, according to a response by the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities to a consultation last year on reforms to the CPO system, it will be up to the Secretary of State to decide whether to limit hope value on a scheme-by-scheme scheme basis. Okay, so quite interesting that
0: what Labour's proposing actually isn't a million miles away from what the government is already saying it's going to do, albeit that the government is has been explicit that this is their plans relate specifically to affordable housing and health facilities, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, rather than a broader powers for for, for house building.
3: So what are, what, are, what are people in the industry saying about Labour's plans? Well, one commentator warned that compulsory purchase takes a long time to process and is very costly and resource intensive for local planning authorities. He argued that the policy doesn't have the potential to deliver the homes as quickly or as cheaply as the headlines suggest. Another commentator said that buying agricultural land unconditionally with simple hope value is relatively uncommon and that the mechanism for local authorities to extract more value for communities is already in place, i.e. Section 106 agreements and the community infrastructure levy.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much, Toby. All sounds very interesting. Um, People can uh, read more about this on uh, planningresource.co.uk. Thanks for that, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Room 106 again soon. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so now turning to Sam, the government's proposing to further extend permitted development rights that apply to high street premises. So what exactly is happening? What's under consideration?
2: So as part of its plans for high street rental auctions, the government is proposing to introduce two new permitted development rights for high street. The auctions, which are being brought forward via the levelling up and regeneration bill. The idea is that these will give local authorities a new power to require landlords to rent out persistently vacant commercial properties to new tenants, so to sort of address this problem of vacancy on the high street. And as part of the wider consultation on the on the rental auctions, it's asking for views on two new permitted development rights.
0: And uh, what would these two new rights allow?
2: The first right would allow the temporary use of premises for the suitable high street use determined by the local authority for the term of the individual lease granted following the auction. So... That would just be on a temporary basis, while the second would then enable the premises to continue with whatever that use is decided from the, the High Street Rental auction on a permanent basis once the initial lease period ends. According to the consultation document, the government intends that the permitted development rights would not have a size limit on premises and would not exclude listed buildings.
0: The thing that I was a bit confused by when I was reading this was obviously, you know, famously, the Class E use class, the new one that was created not many years ago, gives a great deal of flexibility to convert shops to restaurants and vice versa, and many, basically many traditional high street uses to other high street uses. So why are these new rights needed and, and what kind of conversions will they allow that wouldn't be a wouldn't be possible under class E?
2: Yeah, so the government does say clearly in the consultation document that it expects most of the change of uses from these rental auctions to be covered by Class E. However, it does highlight um, a couple of examples that wouldn't be covered under existing permitted development rights. So, for example, if a bidder was to propose a use for a building that's not currently in Class E or the property does not currently fall under Class E but would become um, a Class E use, So the examples that the consultation document gives are community halls and pubs.
0: OK, well, perhaps a bit more about that later, but the idea of a, a, a pub being sort of convertible under permitted development rights is potentially quite controversial. What else does the consultation say about the rights?
2: So as well as seeking views on the details of the rental auctions themselves and on the principle of the new rights, as in if they should be adopted, it also asks if the two permitted development rights should be subject to the prior approval process and if applicants should be charged the standard £96 prior approval fee for any applications for permanent changes of use.
0: What do we know about any potential implications of this proposed change if it, if it came to pass?
2: The Campaign for Real Ale, known as Camera Group, has been particularly notable in its objection to the proposals. In a statement, it urged the government to rethink the plans, claiming that the move would effectively reintroduce rights that were removed in 2017, that had been proposed to let developers convert or demolish pubs without having to go through the formal planning application process. It said that the introduction of these rights could see pubs converted and divided up into multiple units without the need for planning permission and warns that this would risk losing high street pubs for good.
0: Thank you very much for that, Sam, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Room 106 again soon. See you soon. Okay, John, so um, turning back to you, this article about um, the warning from consultants that the future of neighbourhood planning hangs in the balance because of uncertainty about a key grant programme. Can you tell us something about that?
1: Yes, so their concerns relate to the Neighbourhood Planning Support Programme, which is run by Locality, the national network that supports community groups. It's run by Locality on behalf of the Department for Leveling Up Housing And communities providing a combination of grants and technical support to help parish councils and community groups prepare their neighborhood plans. So groups that are developing a neighborhood plan or a neighborhood development order can apply for up to £10,000 to fund their work. Some groups that meet certain criteria such as where their plans allocate sites for development are eligible to apply for even higher amounts up to £18,000 the programme has run for over 10 years. Last year, there was a last minute extension to the programme for the 2022-23 financial year. Funding was announced by the then housing minister, Stuart Andrew, in mid-April 2022, just a week before the previous year's funding was due to end. But this year, news Newsom extension of the programme into this financial year, 2023-24, has not yet materialised from the housing department
0: the funding ended at the end of the last financial year and nobody knows what's going to happen this year?
1: Well, we have had some information from the Housing Department and Locality. The Locality Chief Executive, Tony Armstrong, has said that Delurk has advised that there will shortly be in a position to confirm the budget for the programme in 2023-24. And Delurk told us that it will continue to help neighbourhood planning groups And it will shortly confirm the budget for 2023-24. And it said that in the interim, it's working with partners to enable neighbourhood groups to continue to develop their plans. So there's been a promise that the funding will continue, but nothing firm has materialised yet.
0: So what are neighbourhood planning consultants saying about the situation?
1: Well, they're very concerned. The Alliance of Independent Neighbourhood Planning Consultants, which is an informal network of 25 consultancies and sole traders in England that specialise in neighbourhood planning, said in a statement that the expected extension of the programme into this financial year has not materialised with no news or explanation from the housing department. Neil Homer, who's director of O'Neill Homer, which is one of the largest consultancies in the network, said the lack of confirmation from the government has been hugely frustrating for clients all of whom have highlighted the irony of this happening when the Housing Department is also proposing to strengthen neighbourhood planning in the uh, levelling-up bill and with changes to the MPPF. Chris Bowden of Navigus Planning said he fears for the future of neighbourhood planning if there is no programme this year or next, saying that even if a continuation is announced, so these are neighbourhood planning groups that the consultancies advise, clients won't be able to secure our help or other technical support until later in the summer at the earliest, as there's bound to be a backlog of applications for locality to process. Likewise, Joe Witherden, who's a director at Dorset Planning Consultant, said some neighbourhood plan groups that are almost through the process are now unable to finalise and submit their plans for examination. She said that some consultants who specialise in neighbourhood planning may begin to leave the sector for other planning work. So there's lots of concern about it, and even with the news of further funding, because there's been a delay and uncertainty, then that itself is causing an impact.
0: Is there any explanation or, or apology from the um, from the Department of Leveling Up? Well, what they've said is that,
1: as I said earlier, they will they'll shortly confirm the budget for this financial year. So there is a commitment there, and also how it will take neighbourhood planning support forward. It says in the interim it's continuing to work with partners to allow neighbourhood groups to continue to, to develop their plans. So they're saying that they are offering some support in the uh, until the programme is announced. But there's no explanation of why there's been a delay.
0: OK, well, thank you very much for that, John. Uh, we look forward to hearing how that all pans out. And uh, what else has been happening in the past week?
1: Firstly, there's been some very sad news in the uh, planning consultancy sector. Dr Malcolm Hockaday, former chairman of planning consultancy Nathaniel Litchfield and Partners, now called Litchfields, and a planning director at developer Landsec UNI, has died suddenly after a planning career of almost half a century, it has been announced. In other news, the government is to consult on changes to the National Planning Policy Framework to make local authorities pay particular regard to research and development needs and will update national planning guidance to ensure councils take fuller account of the commercial land needs of businesses and better plan for inward and high-value investments, the Treasury has announced. In local government, a planning chairman has been suspended from his committee for three months after a council panel found that he improperly used his position to block a contentious planning application in his ward and his conduct could be regarded as having brought the council into disrepute. In the courts, the Court of Appeal has upheld a High Court judgment, which means that a property owner will have to demolish a new building developed in the Greenbelt without planning permission. And finally, the Planning Minister, Rachel McLean, has issued a statement saying that councils should consider including accommodation for children in care in their assessment of local housing need.
0: Thanks, John. And of course, listeners can read more on these stories at planningresource.co.uk. Well, I think our work is done. Let's get out before there are any more announcements or decisions.
1: Great, that's another fortnight summarised. Yes, we'll be back with a bonus edition next week.
0: Yes, absolutely. We're going to be looking into the new guidance about viability of development and affordable housing in London of course the previous set of that guidance was very influential nationally and it will be interesting to see if this will be equally so and we'll also be looking at the threatening letters that Michael Gove has uh, been sending to councils warning them that uh, if they don't improve the speed of their decision making then they may face losing some of their planning powers. We'll be looking into some of the implications of them. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts and to get a daily bulletin of planning news plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. Look out for the Net Zero Connect conference, which is to be held on the 21st of June in Birmingham, in which planning is a partner. And our thanks to producers Hannah Holt from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink. And thanks for listening. Goodbye.